special guest Sam this is someone we've uh, referenced on the show before it's Rachie okay so this is the part where the uh, reggaeton air horns need to go for my introduction they've been going they're going yeah ongoing well perfect Um, yes so I'm Rachie I am a very smart and beautiful Ghanaian woman, and the plunge is very lucky to have me on. And I only agreed to do this interview because you guys finally made it on the iTunes store, and um, talent like mine is hard to pin down. That's and true. Having uh, the endorsement of a company like Apple, you know, it's a, it's a big, uh, you know, that, that really is a stamp of approval, like, you know. We got the iTunes bump. That's true. Definitely. Well, prepare for the Rachie bump. I'm very popular, so. <laughs> so much clout. Rachie. <laughs> we needed your expertise on a few things because I think, personally, Sam and I are men. We are white. We to, are... Just to interrupt you real quick while you're mansplaining that you're white, I realize that a lot of people might not know what Ghanaian means. I'm a black woman. <laughs> there you have it <laughs> heard it here first and i'm not rachel dolezal also just to be clear <laughs> <laughs> um so rachie we are sam and i two uh white men we would like to discuss some things going on in the culture with you and then maybe you could tell us a story, but first we're going to go into the pop culture corner. Great. And speaking of culture, Dan, that is actually the name of a Migos album, and I heard that you only know one Migos song. <laughs> yeah, Dan, that's a running thing, thing on this show. Dan really has uh, some gaps in his rap knowledge, and we're going to roast him about it. It's yeah, it's, it's very disturbing to me. I am... A fan of rap, and uh, <laughs> I like, uh, you know, the, the standard Run the Jewels, Danny Brown spectrum of things, uh, but I certainly have blind spots all over the place, so maybe we'll get into that at some point in this segment, but... And I hope talk- you we're- did not invite me on to do a freestyle, because that's not going to happen. <laughs> I No, that was not the intention, <laughs> I swear. Okay. I swear. Sam, what are we going to do? We have to plan a new segment. Um, uh, <laughs> all right, all right, folks. All right, folks. We got, we got, we'll take care of this. Okay, so, so Justin Timberlake, uh, another white man um, of record, um, it, it, he is headlining the Super Bowl. Uh, we're now, I guess, what is it, 10 years, at 14 years after um, the initial, <laughs> the initial uh, Janet Jackson. Uh, Nipplegate, the wardrobe malfunction, whatever people are calling it these days. The original nip slip. Um, and I guess we wanted to like talk about the kind of use and abuse of uh, 
like black music by whites, especially like former, I guess, um, like child stars like Miley Cyrus or there are people like uh, Mark Wahlberg who got his start as a rapper from like Boston, like Maki Mock or whatever. Um, it just he blinded an Asian man. Yeah, yeah, he's a despicable human, and he's like one of the. I think he is the highest paid actor in Hollywood currently, though. Yeah, there was this whole thing uh, breaking uh, news this week about how Mark Wahlberg held out for an extra like uh, like couple million because uh, uh, it was in his contract that he could not approve Christopher Plummer to replace Kevin Spacey in that new movie. So he demanded like an extra few million, or else they wouldn't. He wouldn't let them do the reshoots. And then there was the, Rachel. You told me a story recently about um, about Mark Wahlberg getting paid like one and a half million for like a supporting yeah. role. So he and Michelle Williams are both represented by the same talent agency, but they negotiated one point five million dollars for Mark Wahlberg, who is a supporting actor in the film, and Michelle Williams got her eighty dollars per day per diem, and that's it. So she made about a thousand dollars for the reshoots versus Mark Wahlberg, who, as Dan mentioned, blinded an Asian man in a hate crime because he beat him so severely got 1.5 million dollars so i guess what we want to get into here is why is justin timberlake after a career of um appropriating blackness to make millions of dollars uh why is he basically like uh, the meme i saw was listens to bonnie bear once yeah. And now I'm just going so far to the whites. Okay, he it, only in the aesthetic though, because we watched the video for Filthy, the lead I single was from this. Forced to watch that video again. Uh, yeah. Why don't we <laughs> drop in uh, the beginning of it right now, just so the listeners can get a sense. say about filthy is that i'm not going to call it cultural appropriation because that would be offensive uh to my culture (laughs) because i don't know what the hell was going on there so justin timberlake is performing in front of an entirely asian crowd at something that i think he calls like the pan asian emotional like robot conference or something ridiculous like that And he enters the stage, a la Steve Jobs, in a black turtleneck and nerd glasses um, to introduce a creepy robot that does all of the black dance moves that Justin Timberlake can't actually pull off himself, like the moonwalk. And then he has um, backup dancers with huge butts of all ethnicities that the robot stimulates, sorry, simulates... uh, like dry humping (laughs) and overall it just made me confused and uh angry that i had to watch it but i again i'm not going to call it cultural appropriation because it has nothing to do with me 
Having said that, like you said, he does steal the fucking moonwalk. The the robot does like a, cro- a Michael Jackson style crotch grab as well, and literally yep. like one of the lyrics in like the chorus is like like they ain't leaving till six in the morning, like explicitly ripping Wonder out where off he like got that gin and from. juice. Yeah, exactly. Like one of the most fucking famous lines of all time. It's this blatant. So I. Th- I think like what he's been saying. I remember him seeing seeing him quoted as saying like he's gonna like create a new world with this fucking album. Like people were like, it looks so white and aesthetic. But then he comes out with this music where there's all this cultural appropriation. Like who what who knows what he's gonna do next? He's a wild card. Is there fucking any way this could be fucking less compelling? Like it's so. I mean, just like he's the most like white bread, like you know, vanilla sort of. R&B themed singer like yeah I don't know and literally last year he got into um well I was gonna call it a Twitter beef but he just got roasted by black people on social media because he was like oh I saw Jesse Williams speech about cultural appropriation at the BET awards and it was super powerful and people were like Justin that's your entire career Oh, um, additionally, he got roasted for wearing a Time's Up pin at the Golden Globes when he just appeared in Woody Allen's Wonder Wheel. Yeah, Yeah, in which he, like, falls in love with his girlfriend's stepdaughter, right? Correct. I I did read that in an article (laughs) in Slate. It was, uh, yeah, he, um, I don't know who paid to see this in theaters, Wonder Wheel, but all I can say is there were... A few screeners in the kitchen at my office, and one of them was Wonder Wheel, and I did not take it. Yet, someone did later in the day, I noticed, because it was gone. Who fucking took the DVD of Wonder Wheel? Who wants to, like, watch that? Like, probably on an FBI watch list right now. (laughs) So, another thing we wanted to talk about, and I think this is really interesting, is the racialized and gendered impact of the Super Bowl... Uh, mishap, uh, the gender mal- uh, the gender malfunction, the wardrobe <laughs> malfunction. Um, uh, J- Jackson, you gotta edit out gender malfunction before you get roasted. <laughs> but the well, I don't know. It kind of like killed her career for a decade or something. And and also, I mean, Janet Jackson was like a yeah, world striding colossus of a right. fucking music ti- like titan in the eighties and nineties. Like Beyonce esque. Uh, in her popularity, but, like, maybe, like, a rung below that. I mean, I don't know. She was, like, a pr- pretty icon. Like, in the early days of, like, MTV, I she was, like, iconic. I think it's, like, an age thing. If pe- People that are, like, in their 30s probably would say that Janet Jackson is more impactful than Beyonce, but we yeah. grew up with Beyonce. And, yeah. I mean, she's Beyonce, so. But I'm, I don't want to get roasted, so I'm not going to say that one is better than the other. But it was definitely a case of, um, in terms of the racialized and gendered impact, I think that it was one of the clearest examples of white privilege in pop culture where Janet Jackson was uh, ostensibly the victim. She is the one that had her breast exposed on live TV. Um, And, you know, it's one of those things where... I'm not saying that Justin Timberlake should have like gone into exile himself, but he never spoke up in defense of her, um, which basically meant that he was complicit in her receiving all of the blame, um, her career, her like level of um, 
being in the public eye went down severely because she was basically like um, a modern day Hester Prynne because she got her tit pulled out by Justin Timberlake. Um, and even though it was clearly something that the both of them had coordinated in and participated in, her career went more downhill and his really took off. He's never been held accountable for it um, in the same way that a lot of other entertainers have been called out for their past sexual misconduct. Um, it's really not something that anyone even talks about with him anymore. Whereas for her, it's one of the first things that I think people um, who maybe aren't as familiar with her music think about when they think about Janet Jackson. And only recently, as of like last year, was she back on tour again. Um, and Justin Timberlake has like, in the meantime, been winning Grammys, starring in major motion pictures, even though he can't act, <laughs> all of this stuff. And it's just because people wanted to forgive Justin Timberlake for some reason, and they did not want to forgive Janet Jackson. And I mean, Janet Jackson was the one who had to issue like a video apology on like, yeah. And Janet Jackson is the one who's iconic. She's Janet Jackson. She's Michael Jackson's, Sister. Which is even crazier because and, like Justin Timberlake is such a fucking like hacky ripoff of Michael Jackson. Like, seems like uh, it, it seems like just a, a clear instance of like blatant victim blaming. Yeah, definitely. And her tour, um, her comeback tour has been selling really well. And um, a lot of black women with means have been buying tickets to see her concerts. Like, we're so happy to have her back in the public eye. But definitely uh we didn't forget why she was absent for a long time apparently um this guy uh jawed kareem um was one of the founders of youtube uh and he said that the inspiration came from the halftime faux pas uh faux pas is a euphemism for that (laughs) the halftime like exposure of a woman's body committed by fucking justin timberlake yeah I remember. What, uh, I don't even know why he was on the same stage as Janet Jackson, obscene, to be honest. Obscene. Let alone touching her. And that was when he was like first. He was playing like like. He was trying to come out of the end sync. Like yeah. Band era. Which is what we what we were wanting to talk about is how like um these boy brand band people like uh or pop stars like Justin Bieber's kind of similar I guess they just dip into oh, like big time. they dip into black music and then like to dip out that they're grown up and that they want to transition from um, having a younger audience and it, they, they're literally using black culture to seem edgy and grown up and to signal to their younger fans that like oh your mom won't let you listen to this so, so of course you, you had like dreads remember that oh Bieber? my god yeah yeah he's <laughs> disgusting um, so anyway but then- and then like Miley Cyrus Cyrus, in the same way that Justin Timberlake has distanced himself from um, his image as a cultural appropriator, or, or at least tried to, because, again, I didn't forget, she has done interviews recently where she said um, she doesn't like rap and hip-hop be- anymore because it's misogynistic, and I'm like, girl, rap and hip-hop were never checking for your approval, first of all. <laughs> Um, and she also admitted herself that she's never even listened to a Jay-Z song, so I don't know what she's talking about. But very similar to Justin Timberlake, she's trying to make a return to, like, her Nashville roots, and she's doing a country album, so of course the first step in that is distancing herself from her quote-unquote urban image. Yeah, but, like, the, the, I mean, it's obscene given that, 
up until very like until this last fucking comeback of hers this fucking lady was like had like 80 dicks on stage at all times like was running around and like on like yeah you know she can't make this claim to like be to like respectability and shit like when she like ripped off like hip-hop in the stupidest way possible like twerked her first album was called bangers with a z yeah come on like it's so tacky to just like (laughs) to dip into it for the like to get yourself out of you know you're being like a corny pop star or child star and then dipping back out so you can be like a mature artist or like you know you grow out of like hip rap or some shit like that's so insulting um do you remember when she was trying to convince everyone that she could twerk and i was like (laughs) you are just shaking your hips as fast as you can and nothing's happening that was one of the most shocking videos i ever saw and i actually did make my mom watch um her mtv vma performance with robin thick and my mom uh like didn't talk to me for two days (laughs) very upset by it oh the thing with the youtube is uh let me redo that. Sorry. Okay. So the thing with YouTube was that um, one of the founders, Jawed Kareem, um, said that he was inspired uh, by the Justin Timberlake affair um, to create YouTube because he said he could not easily find the video clip online. So uh, I guess this, this is a very, uh, this is like a foundational moment in um so we have justin timberlake to blame for the logan paul yeah. suicide force videos so rachie for story time we wanted to hear from you this week because you were very passionate about a late breaking news story last sunday which apparently the media has decided that oprah winfrey should be the next uh challenger to Donald Trump. Now, we're, we're, you know, Sam and I um, had a lot of thoughts about this, but we want to hear your take first, because you wrote, you wrote quite an impassioned note on Facebook, um, and, you know, I I really, (laughs) I think, I think, absolutely, and uh, just, why don't you just uh, tell us what you think about Oprah 2020. Take it away. Well, first of all, I would have to say that I'm reclaiming my time from these two white men. Um, I'm going to talk at length without interruption about Oprah Winfrey. And if they do, in fact, interrupt me, I will be reporting them directly to Reverend Al Sharpton. Okay. So that counts as an interruption. I'm going to tweet Al Sharpton right now. So obviously, I love Oprah. She's amazing. Um, She, I think, is a role model to a lot of people. Her life story is basically the American dream, and it's made her filthy rich, which I fully support. But I was really surprised that people were saying that her um, Golden Globe speech was a candidacy statement, um, that it signaled that she was interested in politics, because I listened to the speech, and that is not what it was about. So this whole Oprah 2020 thing is just basically um, a white liberal guilt fantasy in the line of J.K. Rowling tweeting that um, black women are God after Roy Moore was defeated in his Senate race. So this idea that um, black women are these kind of strong, mythical beings that can... um, 
are the only ones that can stand up to oppression and the Trump agenda and kind of fix everything is completely absurd for a lot of different reasons. Um, the first being, if black women actually had an adequate political voice, we would have a much better and much different country. I think that it's it's very confusing to me that people will on one hand say, you know, Oprah should run for president and black women stopped Roy Moore from getting into the Senate while ignoring the barriers to participating politically that a lot of people of color, especially black women, face. Um, you know, we don't have uh, mandatory voting registration. Um, the Voting Rights Act protections were not in place for our most recent presidential election. Finding um, child care and getting time off work to vote is extremely difficult, if not impossible, in a lot of communities. So it's very interesting that people will pretend that black women are these are is black women are this deciding force in politics, which we should be, when actually we're not given the voice that we deserve. So that was one reason. And my second reason was um, it plays so well into like the mammy narrative of black women as like just these kind of uh, strong unfeeling messiahs who exist to fix your problems. So um, white people, including white women, overwhelmingly voted for Donald Trump to be president, overwhelmingly voted um, to put someone in the highest office in the land who has put into place a lot of policies that hurt people, particularly people of color. And now they're saying that um, black women, this is another mess we made for you to clean up. But it's 2017. Um, we're not mammies. We're not people that you can call when you've made a huge mess and expect us to clean it up. Like, I'm not like Aunt Jemima. You can't ruin the country and then be like, Oprah, why don't you give up your billions of dollars, your net worth, which has <laughs> increased so much because of your Weight Watchers deal, to run for president against Donald Trump? Like, why would she give up her career, her TV network, everything that she's built to run for president of a country that is still deeply racially divided? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And um, I feel like when people... Like, I feel that what I'm saying is not that Oprah would necessarily be a terrible president. What I'm saying is that um, people are forcing this narrative that she wants to be president in the face of all the evidence that she's given us that she doesn't want to be president because um, I think that there are a lot of white people that maybe feel guilty that um, black women are the ones that over, that we're the segment of the population that voted for Hillary Clinton um, in the highest percentages. And so they're thinking, um, you know, what can we do to stop Trump? Oh, black women. But the thing with that is you can't, um, you can't like deify black women without paying attention to the actual realities of being a black woman in this country. Um, so all these people that were posting Oprah 2020, I guarantee you they uh, are not posting about 
the disparity in um, maternal mortality rates for black women, which is astronomical. Serena Williams this week came out with a story about how she almost um, lost her life during childbirth because medical staff were not taking her seriously. And if that happens to Serena Williams, you can imagine what the average you know, maternity in a hospital situation is like for a woman who's not the greatest living athlete in the world. They're not talking about um, the lack of access to clean water in Flint. Lifetime is making a movie about Flint starring Cher, by the way. They still don't have clean water. Is, fu- not- is Future also in it? <laughs> uh, is Michael Moore in it? Me. Sorry. <laughs> Mansplaining again. Rachie, please continue. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan. Um, They're not posting about the end of TPS for um, Haitian women being sent back to a country that does not have the infrastructure that it should, despite its bounty of natural resources because of colonialism. So over and over again, I feel like white people create the problem and then step back and wait for um, a black person that they can pin all their hopes on to fix it. And, you know, black women are wonderful, strong, beautiful, complicated. We are not God. We're not like an other. We're actual human beings with um, complicated feelings and experiences. And I think when people say things like, Oprah, who has a talk show, is clearly the best choice to run America or JK Rowling tweeting that uh, black women are God and that's why Roy Moore didn't win just puts us in a situation where black women are seen as as like an other as this just like almost mythical force of just sheer political strength and will while ignoring the actual experience and if people are only going to show up for billionaire black women like Oprah, then it's not it's not helping anybody because like I said, she's a billionaire. She doesn't need you to change your profile picture to one of her. She doesn't need you commenting yes queen on all of her pictures on Instagram. She's she's Oprah. She doesn't need it. She's already like one of the most powerful women in the world. And it was just very frustrating to me that a black female billionaire who's a private citizen who's getting an award for her work in the entertainment industry that people are so desperate for change and so desperate for a quick fix rather than taking a deep look at at how Donald Trump got elected and why um, it's just it's just a lazy excuse you know you're they're not thinking about um, people that felt neglected in this past election. They're not willing to actually work on immigration reform to protect dreamers. They just want to post about Oprah. Richie, did you find it kind of patronizing? Because I certainly like read this myself into the whole... You can talk now. Thank you. Um, that people were throwing all this power behind Oprah's speech when it wasn't really... A, that political, and B, we don't really know what any of her, like, political stances are, so people are kind of just projecting their, like, dreams onto her, of, like, these, like, I don't, like, it's, didn't you find it weird that 
we don't even know what, what right, her and that's are. because she she's a talk show host. She had a nationally syndicated TV show. She's not gonna. She's not Hillary Clinton. She knows that what people want to hear is not like dry policy proposals over and over. She's like she's made a career out of being in the entertainment industry. So of course we don't know like her thoughts on specific economic policies. Like we can. I guess try to assume, but yeah, it's it's ridiculous. She gave a speech. White people, white liberals don't like who they have in office, so they're like, "Oh, Oprah has to do it." And I mean, it's it's crazy. Her speech was not political to me. I think it was very important and very moving, but I, it was definitely not like a declaration for candidacy. And I saw so many headlines that were like, is Oprah signaling she wants to run for president? No, she's accepting an award for being like a great entertainer. I think it's just this, you know, another example definitely of this uh, perverse clickbait culture where it's only a story because they, the uh, media tries to create the story. Like... It was, I could see it being like a funny joke on social media for like awards show, Twitter, that kind of thing gets churned out uh, from time to time, uh, but then it kind of goes away. But the amount of uh, coverage of Oprah on Monday was insane. Yeah, on like TV and stuff. It was as if she had seriously declared that she was running for office as opposed to just saying i think that it's bad that there's a cultural like sexual harassment and assault in um hollywood or you know in the world at large so rachie unless you have anything else to add to that um um i think i've said i've said it all so we can consider the the entire debate on oprah 2020 formally closed Excellent. Um, so, also at the Golden Globes, James Franco came under fire for wearing a Time's Up Now, do you guys want to hear, um, you know, the, the dishy gossip? I do. Um, I just want to give The Real little... Housewives of New Haven segment. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, let, me, let me just give some background for any listeners that weren't apprised of the situation that is currently brewing with James Franco. So... The L.A. Times, uh, after the Golden Globes, put out an article um, in which uh, five women, uh, four uh, acting students of his and one ex-girlfriend, alleged uh, sexual impropriety either uh, while filming sex scenes uh, in which he was inappropriate um, or... um, uh, one instance of uh, forced uh, oral sex... And um, it's um, it's it's crazy to see these uh, actors who parade around with the you know wearing all black and you know with these pins um, uh, that say "Times Up" who have uh, certainly some questionable past themselves. Now, um, Rachie, you attended uh, the same university as Mr. Franco at one point in your life. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, so I don't know if I mentioned this before in my intro, but I went to Yale um, University. Ever heard of it? (laughs) Yeah, um, so uh, again, for the people in the back, I went to Yale 
University. I graduated with a degree in political science, so I'm qualified to be on this podcast, obviously. More qualified than um, we are. <laughs> yeah, give, give me your podcast. Um, oh, but I, like many uh, young girls at the time, had a crush on James Franco. Um, and I was very excited when he announced that he was going to be getting his PhD in, I believe, English literature at Yale the same year that um, I started school there as a freshman. And um, admittedly, I like... I heard that he liked a certain coffee shop, so I was like, oh my god, maybe if I go there, I'll run into James Franco, but I didn't drink coffee and I didn't have any money, so it didn't work. And I didn't meet him in a coffee shop, which actually turned out to be good, because um, I started hearing stories from a couple of girls who had said that uh, friends of theirs had mentioned that he, like, was... he was like only dating freshmen and he was a PhD student. So like the people with whom he'd have the biggest age disparity with. And also um, that he <laughs> would uh, sit in Starbucks with a leather jacket with no shirt on underneath and just give girls his number. Ooh. Spicy. Yes. Yeah. And so. Nothing um, weird about that. <laughs> can you imagine if you went to Starbucks and you saw a man wearing a leather jacket with no shirt underneath. I don't need to see Franco's nipples when I'm getting espresso. <laughs> and I feel like you have to wear a shirt in Starbucks. Like, isn't that one of their rules? Normal civilians do. <laughs> well, maybe the leather jacket was uh, kind of zipped when he came in and then he sits down. And then, you know. <laughs> Slowly. But, you know, it's, it's really crazy because the Oscar voting, which... Like it or not, it's a huge cultural event. I mean, the whole country talks about it. Even though they're corny. Of course they're corny. Um, God, did you see like how bad Seth Meyers' is, uh, some of his jokes were? At I, the Golden Globes? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, they were so fucking self-flagellating and like just embarrassing to watch. Like I felt bad for him to like be on stage. He, I guess he kind of had to do that sort of material because that's what like the room kind but of demanded. Couldn't but he man, have made it funny? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it just kind of sounded like all like white guys wrote the material too and it was just kind of like yeah. boring. Um, and I know that one of James Franco, uh, one of the women that came forward with allegations about James Franco said that he had hit on her when she was 17. Um, so definitely... On campus, um, people were talking about how he had a preference for younger women, which is not a problem as long as you're making sure that they're over 18, which, and of course, like being respectful and making sure you have affirmative consent. And those were not the, the kind of stories that I was hearing. It was like, if you are a freshman and you look a certain way and you go to this Starbucks, he'll be waiting there with Lurking. a leather jacket and no shirt on underneath. And I actually did end up um, getting to meet him. Um, they had a screening of Howl where Daniel Radcliffe plays Allen Ginsberg. Um, and James Franco is also in it on campus. And then afterwards I got a picture with him and he was much shorter than I was expecting. And like, no offense, he smelled really bad. He's an actor. I know, he's got no time for bathing. And, um, yeah, 
so this was like in 2010. So I, I didn't have a camera phone. I had a digital camera. And so I had my friends take pictures of me with James Franco. And then I was so excited to upload them using a USB cable to <laughs> Facebook because that's what you had to do back then. And I was like, my friends from high school are going to be sick. Like, I've only been in college for like two months and I've already met James Franco. So imagine my surprise. <laughs> When all of the comments were like, what did you do to him? He looks so pissed. Like, that is not the face of an angry man. James Franco was livid in all of the photos with That's me. Great. He looked like he wanted to die or that he wanted to kill me. He was, like, doing the hover hand. And just his his the, his facial expression was like, I wish I were dead right now. And now I know the reason is because I was uh, over 18, <laughs> close to 19. So I was not his type. I, I also got a strong sense of his smell from the picture. Um, like, I looked at the picture, and I could yeah. smell him kind of, like, through the fucking computer screen. But I do want to I do want to say, um, the Oscar votes ended on Friday, right? So uh, I read that most of the Oscar voters vote way in advance um, of the deadline. So not only uh, our odds are that Franco will still be nominated for Best Actor for playing Tommy Wiseau in The Disaster Artist, which I will say I fucking love that movie. Um, and um, it's uh, it's going to be really strange to see, like, what, what do they do? Like, does he not show up? Does he show up and uh, act contrite? And, like, th there well, must be publicity. Publicists working that... round the clock for this shit. <laughs> James Franco said that he respects women too much to deny the allegation. <laughs> like, oh, God. What a neck beard. Which, which is like a brilliant move because he gets to he, he gets to be like, um, I'm not going to be part of a culture of shaming victims, so I'm just not going to address these at all. I'm glad these women feel like they have a voice. Right. Um, and it's like... <laughs> it's like you like the idea of women coming out uh, and coming forward, but not like in practice when it is about things you have done. And you also don't like the idea of just not doing the shit that makes women come out and have to say, I was abused by fucking James Franco. Yeah. Women, the thing about women is um, we don't only like to talk about sexual assault. I don't know if you know this. And I, I, I know for a fact those women would prefer to have a voice and to be known for something other than um, these allegations against James Franco, which is not to say that, like, they're not incredibly brave for speaking up, but, like, can't women have a voice about something else? Like, can't women have a voice in Hollywood, like, in directing and producing and, like, for other things? Like, this isn't the only instance in which women should have a voice and be heard, James Franco. Can, couldn't uh, ha agree more. Um, Were you going to say couldn't have said it better myself? No, yeah, that was, that, yeah, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, I caught you. Um, do we have anything else to say about James Franco? Um, other than I genuinely am curious about this Oscar race. Uh, not so much the race, but more just like, how does the Hollywood apparatus uh, handle this? Because people make a lot of money um, doing damage control and, you know, publicity. So what will, like, the best publicists in the world do to mitigate 
the damage to James Franco's um, uh, bankability as an actor. Because ultimately what this comes down to is, um, will he be able to work again? And ultimately, um, I, if I were to predict, uh, you know, how this will shake out uh, in the future, like, I, I think Kevin Spacey probably won't work again, but I think James Franco will probably work again. I don't think that he's going to be ostracized in the same way as Louis C.K. or Kevin Spacey. And I think there is a certain level of, uh, you know, uh, explosive, uh, you know, sex pest article fatigue, unfortunately, because there's just so many. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like people... Um are unfortunately going the Matt Damon route of things, which is being like, oh, there's a sliding scale of sexual impropriety. And if someone does this but doesn't do that, then it's okay. And I think that he is going to be working again because people are going to be like, oh, he's no Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, and that sliding scale is super fucking relative. Um, like, not 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 to say that I don't think that there's like maybe more of an objective like kind of way to evaluate these things but i i think that just the way that certain people are punished for what they do is sort of like uneven right. with like certain people who just get off scot-free for like really bad shit i mean i, I don't want to like issue anything more on but that but i think as like good like you know left-leaning people we also have to be open to the idea of like re rehabilitation and like you know if not forgiveness like uh, you know Sam, did, didn't we talk a few weeks ago about the idea of, like, banning prisons and stuff? So, like, where doesn't that contradict with this whole, like, punitive sort of, you know... And I'm not saying that Harvey Weinstein doesn't deserve to be in prison. That dude should be fucking... Like set, you know, have a firing squad. Like shoot him in the. Dick, I guess. But like, I guess where I'm at with that, like with abolishing prisons, as, as it relates to sex pests, is like I think we should throw out like everyone who is in jail for like having marijuana in their pocket or some other fucking like broken window policing bullshit that puts people in jail forever instead of like people who actually like people with real power, you know, who commit bad shit. Like prison is bad because it uh, inflicts pain on people without power. People with power can avoid prison, which is why I always say, like, the dumbest people in the world are the people who get sent to jail for white-collar crime because it's like, how did you fuck that up? Like, you're supposed to get off scot-free. You have, like, all these protections. Like, the legal system is designed to protect you. So until that's addressed, I don't care about, like, draconian punishments for, like, sex pests. If some, like, lesser sex pests get really fucked... Um, and I don't really care that much. <laughs> right, and again, it's like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I care about some guy with millions of dollars making more millions of dollars. Like, there's plenty of good artists out there who don't do, uh, you know, I do. Crimes. I do appreciate, it's like almost redistributive because, like, all these, like, big names go down, so it makes more room for, like, smaller, lesser known names of people who, like, haven't committed, like, sexual atrocities in the past and are, like, more diverse and yeah, more sure. interesting, so. So I have a quick non sequitur so i was on instagram where i get all of my news obviously and i scrolled past this picture of um a caucasian person um with acne who has um letters on their face spelling out i'm so fucking sick and tired of the photoshop ah! uh, no uh wait uh, um 
this could be a whole other episode. As long as, well, as long as we're on the topic, we should mention um, the tacky uh, white liberal replies to the like Trump shithole country comment of like white people okay, on okay. study abroad. Like I've I've got one really quick thing to say about that. Um, as the daughter of uh, recent immigrants, sorry guys. Uh, I think that I should have the floor here. So my parents moved um, from Ghana, which is the best country um, in the world, in West Africa, to America um, when Reagan was still president, uh, which um, my grandmother was not a huge fan of because she was like, didn't black people like just get the right to vote over there? Um, and also Reagan, like, ugh, exactly. I, I don't even have anything to say about that guy. But the fact that white liberals are um, are getting so up in arms about uh, the language and not the actual policies that are being enacted is so frustrating to me because I have seen so many white people on Facebook posting about like, how dare he call this country a shithole? I did study abroad there and I had a great time. and 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 it's like, well, that's, all fine and good, but you are saying that me as a white person um, have the authority to say that the president is wrong because I went there and I saw with my own eyes that this country's not a shithole, which is insane, which is insane. Like, you should take my word for it because I'm white, I've been there, and I'm telling you, it's not a shithole. I had a great time. First of all, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Don't you find it so irritating when you see... Um you know, white 20-somethings post uh, photos with the, of, of their study abroad with, like, 20 uh, African children. Like, it, it just seems so, like... Yeah, and the common thread with all of those photos is that all of their friends are like, wow, you're such a good person. Like, you have such a kind heart. And I'm like, because she took a picture with this kid? You don't know. You don't know if she did anything with this child other than providing a photo op. And I, uh, I did go to Uganda on a service trip in college, and I posted a picture of me with the black... Um, <laughs> Ugandan children that we were there um, to volunteer with. I didn't get any of those comments. No one was like, you're such a good person for going to Africa. It's so it's just like white people think they deserve a pat on the back for just going to Africa. Like it, it makes you a good person if you go and take pictures with these kids. And speaking from experience as a, a former African child, these kids are like, are you going to give me candy or get the fuck out of my face? You know what African kids love? When you take pictures of them just by themselves playing with their friends, I, it's, it's the truth. Like, I, whenever I go to Ghana to visit with my family, my little cousins are always like, take a picture of just me kicking the soccer ball in slow motion because it looks cool. They're not like, man, I wish there was some white lady squishing her face into my face <laughs> and taking a selfie with me. Do you even know the kid's name? We're gonna have to leave and, it. We're gonna have to leave it there, Rachie. Um, unless you have any final wrap-ups to this uh, excellent conversation. Yes, I would say that people really need to focus on policies and not rhetoric. Like people should be calling their Congress people about the end of TPS, not posting on Facebook that Trump shouldn't call certain countries shitholes, which of course he shouldn't. But if you think that 
the most important thing to um, black immigrants, especially African immigrants, is what the president calls us, then you're not paying attention to the real issues. Well, now, people got angry at you recently. Uh, this is story time, folks. I have no idea what this story is. So, yes. Rachi, we brought you on uh, to tell a story. Now, I, take it away. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I would uh, like to start by giving some background. Everyone, I assume, knows about the Watergate scandal that rocked the Washington, uh, D.C. era, brought down a president, and um, allowed the Watergate Hotel to charge like three times as much as they did per night before. And this is um, kind of the successor to that in terms of impact and media coverage. So I'm a little surprised you haven't heard of it, Dan, because... Um, Succulent Gate was uh, an event that rocked the entire Washington, D.C. and suburbs community. It's the biggest scandal since Pizzagate. Right, exactly. Um, and Pizzagate is real, by the way. I just want to go on record as saying I'm a Pizzagate truther, so please uh, follow me on Twitter. So, um, of course, in the spirit of Watergate, I'm going to be acting as sort of deep throat in giving you information without uh, actually implicating myself in any of the supposed wrongdoing. And I would also like to remind people that like O.J. Simpson, I am black and have most likely been <laughs> framed by the LAPD for this crime. Thus, I will be speaking about it in terms of if my imaginary friend uh, Charlie had committed the crime. <laughs> Um, taking a page out of my real father, O.J. Simpson's uh, a book. And that's another bombshell for you. O.J. Simpson is my real father. So again, follow me on Twitter. So, <clears throat> my friend uh, Charlie, who committed this crime, is uh, an individual who is obsessed with succulent plants. Um, I think this stems from Charlie's childhood feeling much like a succulent plant, him or herself, and that Charlie didn't need much to grow and blossom, but needed just a little bit. Also, Charlie uh, has been living with his partner, uh, Bam, for some years, and has- Margera? Yes, Bar Bam Margera. He's an Italian-American icon. He was actually uh, in The Departed. I don't know if you know that. He wrote it. <laughs> R.I.P. to Don Vito, too. Gone too soon. Yes. But uh, please don't interrupt me again. Or Charlie will... I don't know what Charlie will do. Okay. So, um, Charlie and her boyfriend, Bam, have been living together for some time. And Charlie's... Uh, refusal to buy a set of drawers had taken over the entire apartment. But one weekend, Charlie got inspired 
cleaned up the place and was like, it's time to get some fucking succulents in here. I'm a millennial, so I can't afford to have children, but I want to nurture something with zero effort because, again, I'm a millennial, so it's time to get succulents. Charlie's a millennial. Charlie's a millennial. Uh, yeah, I'm all speaking like from the point of view of it's Charlie. It's the first person, but we know you're talking yeah. about Charlie. Obviously. Right. You're speaking as Charlie. Sorry, I'm really slow. Yes, you're very... I mean, it's... You got sunburned, and it apparently affected your brain. Our listeners know the speed of Sam's intellect is crawling. He is a fool. Um, <laughs> he's like Jackie Jr. from The Sopranos, if you've ever ever seen <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, and I'm more like a, all right, a, all right. a Tony Soprano character. All right, so, Charlie, what happened next? So, Charlie has had uh, some conflicts with building management, Namely because uh, disgusting things keep happening in the elevator and or lobby that Charlie has to see, such as dog shit mixed with uh, a bouquet of flowers. Why would someone mix that together and leave it on an elevator? Very traumatic. Fertilizer? No, I'm telling you, uh, Charlie's telling you, Dan, in the elevator, rose petals, okay, (laughs) dog shit, mixed together seemingly by hand because it was in cohesive piles and the stems were there so you know the dog didn't just eat the flowers someone mixed that shit and flowers together on the elevator also there's no pool there's no gym access which was promised all right all right all right so charlie what what happened next okay i'm explaining charlie's state of mind this charlie is not someone who would just steal succulents from the lobby unless charlie was pushed by building management. Oh, okay. Charging exorbitant fees for rent, but, sure. you know, all this stuff. So, one day, Charlie had had enough. So at 12.02 p.m., Charlie put on a Russian fur hat, because Charlie's a socialist, a scarf that she wrapped around her entire face, and an all-black outfit, and made a, a daring robbery she snuck down to the lobby picked up the giant fucking thing of succulents and made it back up to her apartment where she put it in a beautiful place it was gorgeous and everyone loved it so imagine charlie's surprise when after a long hard day at work she comes back to her building rides the elevator and sees a wanted poster including a giant picture of the succulent and security camera footage claiming to reveal Charlie's identity. This poster was taped on every door and every elevator and on every floor and shared room in the entire building. Wow. Yeah. Now, now everything in this building, they, they, they put everything on Comic Sans MS just to give the listeners uh, an image of what this looks like. It's all in Comic Sans. I'll, I'll write it with my naggy white man voice. There was a theft of the succulent plant at 12.02 a.m. this morning at the front door. Management has a video of the theft. It is a female resident that lives in the building. There is a tracking device that Choice Plantings puts in all of their plants. We don't own that plant. What a waste of money. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Anyway, they will track it down. The cameras in the building are very clear. You will be identified. And I just want to pause here to emphasize again. Charlie was wearing... Wearing a giant Russian black fur hat and a scarf that covered her entire face. 
So when management says the cameras in the building are very clear and you will be identified, interesting. Continue. So, so the sign sign continues that it says, please can be considerate of your neighbors and return the plant to the front entrance table. You have 24 hours to return the plant with no questions asked. The police will be called and charges mm-hmm. will be filed. The video will be shared with the other residents of the building. So they're, they're pulling out all the stops here. Correct. And this poster includes a picture of the succulent plant that was stolen and then a picture of the the alleged thief in which you can see that it is a human person with arms who is where who is not nude. I mean this is this pic photo is pretty it's pretty blurry. We'll we'll put it up so the, the <laughs> listeners can uh, can decide, but but Rachy, me being the uh, lover of rules that I am. Innocent. And and completely innocent. I could not take this inconsiderate theft lying down. So I made it my purpose to find uh, the succulents that uh, Charlie had stolen that had triggered this uh, manhunt in which the police were going to be called and charges would be filed. And it doesn't say return the plant or we'll call the police. It says return the plant and we'll call the police, by the way. So I happened to, quite by accident, stumble upon the plant which someone had left in the laundry room. And I went straight to building management and said, hey, I saw that poster about the missing plant. I think I found it. And then the building manager was like, oh my God, you are my hero. Can you show it to me? I obviously wasn't going to bring the plant to her office because then she would think that Rachie had stolen it. So we go down to the laundry room. She finds the plant and she's very thankful. She tells me I'm like her favorite person in the building. And while we're riding the elevator together, she turns to me and she says, um, I know exactly who did it. I saw her face. I could recognize her anytime. I got a very clear picture of her face. <laughs> and I, of course, found that statement a little funny because some people think that Charlie and I kind of look alike. So wouldn't it be hilarious if if she had mistaken me for the person who stole the plant and then people pretended always... to find the plant and then told her she found the plant and then she was in the elevator with the actual perpetrator claiming she knew exactly who it was while lauding me for uh, my commitment to the building and, and following rules. Something tells me that she's either a fucking idiot or a fucking genius. And she's playing mind yeah. games. She's playing mind games, but uh, I have a feeling that Charlie is probably going to strike again, if, if I had to guess. Because uh, in a game of cat and mouse, the big black cat always eats the little white mouse. Wow, that was uh, a profound uh, story time this week, I think. I I don't even know what the lesson is. It's usually our... The lesson our... is that I am a hero who maintains a law and order and respects a property and ownership by corporate entities as the most important value in my life. Yes, the choice planting company now knows that they don't even need the security tracker. No, they in got the, me. Yeah, they don't need the trackers <laughs> in the plants. What are the What are the chances there's actually a security tracker in the fucking plant? See, now I, this has me thinking. Ever since I saw these posters, which were put up literally on like every Everywhere. door yeah. on in on this in this yeah. fucking I don't know high rise apartment that we live in, I was very intrigued, and I, I thought of just putting the plant in 
the back of the car and driving like out into the country and just dumping it <laughs> on like the side of the yeah. <laughs> like what would they next do next time when charlie steals a plant charlie's gonna murder it so they can't track it down <laughs> you full go full oj on it right now uh, yes Hell well yeah. he's more of decapitations but he didn't actually you could decapitate it, the succulents yes but charlie what charlie told me was that that's utter bullshit there's no way that that plant had a tracking device because if it did and the building is claiming they know it's someone who lives in the building. Wouldn't they just have gone to the apartment? <laughs> they get the call that's just like, the signal's coming from inside the building! The succulent's coming from inside the building! <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying stuff. And I'm honestly, um, if someone is willing to steal a succulent, what are they going to escalate to next? You know, murder? Apparently. Mail theft? Uh, that's a big one. Cooking fish in the middle of the summer? Without their AC on? Crime in the D.C. area? Never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, this is probably a gang member. Probably someone from MS-13, uh, MS which we've been hearing so much about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, MS-13 infiltrated your building. Yes, to strike terror in our hearts by destroying our home by removing the succulent plant. I was actually trying to make a jab at the Trump administration, if that pleases the court. Um, well, it's obvious MS-13 did it, if you ask me. Why would such a law-abiding government have to stoop to this petty theft? And I feel like the Trump administration is so, like, anti-climate change, they don't even like fake succulents. Like, that's, even that crosses the line with them. They only like it if you've dumped industrial waste into the yeah. the tracking device. It was covered in, in, like, buckets. the BP oil spill. And then <laughs> 